We're in James chapter 4 today. The title is Pride. How many of you have pride? <laughs> getting better. I like that, Margaret. We're getting better. That's what we want to do. We want to get better, amen, and not be so prideful. So we're going to read out of James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 this morning. Would you stand with me, please, as we read the word? It says, Pride promotes strife. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive. Can you turn me down a little bit, Ed, there? You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we humble ourselves before you. Lord, we know we need you. That's why we're here. We need you. And I pray that today that, Lord, anything that in interferes, like that mosquito Scott talked about, Father, anything that's getting in the way, Lord, that you would take care of it today. And Father God, that we could just leave it here and we could go and be focused on who you are in us, that we would never find ourselves in the position of being an enemy of God. So, Father, we thank you for this time in your word, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. So last week, we, we read about the godly wisdom and the demonic wisdom. And we saw that godly wisdom produces an atmosphere of peace. But demonic wisdom is more self-seeking kind of wisdom. Well, today in chapter 4, James, James, we see that self-seeking attitude creates wars. How many of you like mental warfare? How many of you like that battle going in your mind? It's terrible. Now, most of us haven't fought in a war per se, where we got real bullets going over us, you know, bombs going off like they're experiencing over there in Afghanistan right now. But your battles are in you. It's inside of you. It's your desires, your desires in you fighting to get what it wants. Have you ever experienced that kind of battle going on? That the, the wars in your members, as he said, it's just simply, it's inside of you. It's not an outside force. It's something that has been in you. I remember reading Joyce Meyer's book, The Battlefield of the Mind. I even um, decided to teach it one time. I was not the senior pastor, but Pastor Dave let me teach it as a class. And so we went to the room, and the first night that I taught this class on the battlefield of the mind, three people manifested demons. I'm like... This is a little nuts. 
Because when we start digging into the mind and what's going on in our mind, the enemy does not want you to be free of your mind. You know, a lot of people, it, it's amazing. I, I, I see people that go through things, but they won't tell anybody. They won't. They don't want anybody to know their business. They'll tell me, Pastor, pray for me, but please don't tell anybody. See, because the issue is, is this is why you need to tell somebody. This is why you need to confess it. Number one, James says, confess your faults one to another, that you may be what? Healed. So what the enemy, the darkness hates the light. So I know, Victoria, it's the darkness in me that does not want you to tell anybody. I may come and say, Victoria, I need prayer for this, this, and this, but please don't tell anybody. That's the darkness in me, not wanting it to be revealed. And that's the enemy that's attacking us to say, keep it in the dark so I'm not revealed. Don't tell too many people. You got one person praying for you, so what? But when you reveal, hey, I, you know, because when people got COVID, they don't want to tell anybody they got COVID, <laughs> you know, because they don't want to be an outcast. You know, I mean, that's how, that's how they made you feel you know, through what was going on in the news or whatever. But, you know, when you bring the darkness into the light and you confess it and you share it, it's like, you know, you've just exposed the enemy and the enemy hates to be exposed. And when I started teaching on the battlefield of the mind and it started exposing the enemy's plans, people started freaking out. The devil started freaking out. Man, I had one lady stand up and just scream in that class. I'm like, wow, you need to sit down now. It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm not... I don't freak out about that stuff. I mean, I'm glad we're stirring up the devil, amen? Let's get him, get him stirred up and get him out of here where he can't take it anymore. But when you keep it in the dark, you know, you got an addiction or whatever, tell somebody. Confess it to somebody. Bring it into the light. I remember Lou Engel, he testified that he had a, um, he had a problem with pornography when he was younger. And so he um, struggled and struggled and struggled and just, he didn't want it. So he confessed in front of the church. Because he just didn't, you know, he was a young, young person. He didn't want it anymore. And you remember that movie Courageous, Kirk Cameron in there, and, and he was struggling with the pornography, his wife knew and everything, and he had that computer and he would watch porn on that thing, and he took it outside, and he finally smashed it with an axe because he didn't want it anymore, so he, he destroyed the very system that was give, feeding it to him. Fireproof, okay. Yeah, Courageous was the other one. Fireproof. Expose the darkness. Don't, don't think, oh, i, I got to keep this hidden. It'll stay hidden. The devil will tell you, don't tell anybody because they won't like you. Don't tell anybody because they'll ask you to leave. No, you come and tell me, and we're going to rejoice, and we're going to pray, and you're going to be free. Amen? Amen? And that's where you, you got to get to. But that was a crazy first night I had in that class. And, and the Word of God tells us this. It's, oh, no, this is a quote by Joyce Myers. Slide number six. Patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. That's from her book there. Now, we know that James started this letter with patience. We need patience. We need to be able to wait on the Lord and to trust the Lord. Amen? We need to, to believe that he is at work inside of us. Amen? We need to know that. So as, you're adjusting, as we're adjusting our attitudes through this book of James, I hope that we would not be 
self-centered in the end. But we'd be free. We'd be free, amen? And we can be. And we can move towards Christ and we can walk out his plans. Because I, I just know that the enemy is at work right now to try to keep people off the mark of what God has for them. To try and keep them from fulfilling the plan that God has laid out for you. And as the Lord gave me a word about a month ago, it doesn't matter. You're not too young, you're not too old to fulfill the plan of God. Whatever that is in you, that God has put in you, he still plans to do it in you. And you've just got to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, and begin moving towards that and doing it. Because God has not stopped. God has not de stopped desiring you to fulfill that plan. He has labeled you for it. He's going to do it through you, amen? God still wants to do it through you. So, do it. Don't hold back, amen? So, uh, let's see, I'm lost here. <laughs> so we're adjusting our attitude. And um, he says that the issue is our desires for pleasure. I like to do fun things. You know, but it doesn't control me. You know, you, you'll see me on Facebook. I might be out kayaking somewhere. I might be out fishing. So I might be fishing this afternoon. <laughs> I am going to fish this afternoon. <laughs> it ain't going to mind. It's a, it's a solid. Um, but, you know, he says our issues and our desires for pleasure is what hurts us. And, and that, that we want what we don't have. And that we lust for it. And he, he labels it as lust. And what, the lust means this. It means to set your heart upon, that is, long for, rightfully or otherwise, to covet, to desire, would fain lust after. That's what lust means. So we know that when we're walking in lust, when we're lusting after something, we're throwing out the godly wisdom because we're trying to fulfill the lust of our flesh. You know, and he says, you know, walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of your flesh. So when we're trying to fulfill the lust of our flesh, when we're going after something that's not godly, we're walking in demonic wisdom. See, this, you tie the whole book together. You can't just let a little, you know, read here a little, read there a little. No, it's, it flows. It all begins with patience, our patience of trusting God, and it moves into, you know, the, the wisdom of God. And when we're walking in the, the lust of our flesh, we're walking in demonic wisdom. Because we got that push now on us now. So he says, we fight the war, but we don't get what we're lusting for because we don't ask. And we don't ask because we know we shouldn't have that, but there's something inside of us that wants us to have it, so there's the war that comes on. I can't go to God and ask for it because I know it's not what God has for me, but yet my flesh is desiring it so strongly that I desire it and I'm going after it and I'm, you know, I'm set my heart upon it and I'm not going to give up. That's what happens to us in that lust. So our flesh is so in control, we won't ask God because we know deep down it's not what he has for us. And we, lust will cause your wisdom to be overridden, the godly wisdom in you to be overridden by the demonic wisdom of this world. And I know God doesn't want that. 
You know God doesn't want that. That's why you're here, hopefully. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to get caught up in the world's way of doing things. You want to be caught up in God's way of doing things so that when Jesus decides to come back, he can come back and you, you'll hear the horn. You'll hear the trumpet sound. And you'll go, oh, I'm out of here. You, it's going to happen so quick, you know, everybody blink. Oh, it happened. <laughs> it's just like we, we went, let's see, we went to bed the other night. And we got up in the morning, it was Thursday morning, and the cat wasn't in the house. Now, we don't let the cat out of the house. The cat don't go out. The cat's afraid to go outside. It really is. It just, you know, it has to be in the house. It's the only way it'll go for a walk is with Delanda, you know? So Delanda's like, you see the cat? I said, I haven't seen the cat. She's like, she always wants a snack in the morning. I said, I didn't see her. She's like, well, I'm trying to give her a snack. I can't find her. So we looked through every nook and cranny in the house. Cat ain't there. Looked outside, all the bushes and everything. Looked around. Cat ain't there. Went back in. I said, maybe the cat got raptured. <laughs> I mean, because I, I didn't know how the cat could get out of the house. I'm like, maybe God just took him. Maybe, you know, just, you know. Don is looking at me like, uh. But I heard, you know, it was really weird how the cat was gone. I mean, thank God he came back the next night. You know, I left the door open in the evening for a little bit, and then he ran past. I'm like, Hey, did you see that cat came in? Dawn was so overjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> we even prayed for the cat to come home, and it did. Um, but if we know in our hearts that it's something of our flesh that we want, we won't go to God and ask. He, 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 won't, he won't try and bring it to you. And we know our wisdom can be off. And he, James tells us, you're not on track with your asking when we're missing it. You're not on track with him. You're not walking in the godly wisdom. Because godly wisdom will tell you what to ask for. Amen? When you, that's why when you ask anything in the name of Jesus, it'll be given to you. See, so when you're asking in the name of Jesus, I know he's my healer, I know he's my peace, amen? He's more my provider. So when, I, when I'm asking thing, anything in his name, he's going to do it. But when it's outside of his name, I'm asking amiss. I'm asking for my own desires, what my own flesh desires, and it's not coming. And we wonder, why can't I get this? Why isn't it happening? Why doesn't God love me? Why isn't God doing this? Because you're asking wrongly. And he knows the intent of our heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things desperately wicked, who really knows how bad it is? That's what he says about our heart. Oh my, oh my gosh, that's Lord, fix my heart. You know, I, I know, you know, most everybody in here, if not everybody's born again. You've given your life to Jesus. And hopefully we're turning away from this kind of lust. Amen? We're turning away from lusting after the things of the world, lusting after the things that are inside of us. Hopefully we're working out to, you're reading the word and you're beginning to learn the difference between what God likes and what God doesn't like. Because it's all in his word, amen? It's all in there. It tells you, you know, God doesn't like this. It tells you things he doesn't, that he hates, matter of fact. 
And so we start turning away from those things and erasing them out of our lifestyle, amen? And the world is full of lust for things. You know, we have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. 1 John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, everybody say all. all. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So when our flesh is lusting, when our eyes are lusting, when the pride of life is rising up in us, it's, not, it's of this world and not of our Father. We're missing the mark. We're asking wrongly. And I know, you know, like when it comes to healing, people say, well, I just pray God's will for healing. What is God's will for healing? To be healed, right? So you know God's will for being healed. So you don't have to pray, Lord, I pray your will to be done. When we prayed for you, Greg, a, few, a month ago, we did not pray God's will. We pray that God would cancel the COVID and raise you up. You know, and that's what we do. We don't pray because I know God's will. God said, by his stripes we are what? Okay, so there's God's will. You don't have to go and pray for the sick and say, Lord, if it's your will. Because I know it's his will. Because when we say, Lord, if it's your will, we doubt. We doubt just in case they don't get up. Just in case don't, God don't heal. That's our doubt. That's our fear. That's our canceling out what God wants to do. That's our cancellation of faith. So we can't go and say, oh God, if it's your will, raise them up. No, it is his will. God, raise them up. That's what we got to get. We got to get that mindset's turned around towards the word of God. And I put in my notes here, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. We used to sing that song, turn your eyes, renew your focus on God and on his word, and stop doubting what God wants to do just because you haven't seen it yet. You ask me to come pray for somebody that's dying, I'm not going to give last rites. I don't do that. I don't know what last rites is. I only know one way to pray. God, resurrect them. God, raise them up. Heal them. That's the only way I know to pray, and that's all I'll pray. They may die when I'm praying. I don't know. But that's all I know. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let those lustful desires go. Let them go. Know that he loves you. He loves you so much. So much. My goodness, he loves you. What he's written in his word. Now, Stephanie and Junior, you, you guys got Leah. Teenage girl, or almost teenage. Getting close, huh? I'll talk about you a little bit, Leah, okay? Not bad. But... You're raising her in the, in the way that you see fit right now. Sending her to Christian school and everything. and You're doing things in her, so, and you're telling her things, so maybe she won't make the same mistakes you guys did, right? I know I did that with my girls. I told my girls what I used to do. This is what I did. I did this, I did this, and this. Because I said, these are the things I did that pulled me away from God 
So don't do them. See, now God's given us his word so that we can read it, so that we can see what will pull us away from God so we don't do them. He gave us his whole Bible. It's a nice, thick book, really good to read if you, know, if you get into it, so that we don't fall into those traps. So everything your mom and dad discipline you on and train you on is because they've been there, done that, and they know don't do it because it's not good for you. You know, and that's the same thing that Delonda and I did with our kids. You've done it too. You probably did it with Stephanie. You were like, hey, don't do this because <laughs> we got three generations sitting right here. <laughs> David Sharp, I'm sure you did it with Sandy. Like, don't do this stuff, you know, because we all done that with our kids because we don't want them to fall in the pits. And I'm telling you young people today that listen, because we've been there, done that. We've done the mistakes. We've done those things wrong so that we... We want to impart to you, like, hey, don't, don't do that thing. Don't do that, you know, because this is what can happen. But how do we know? Because we've done it. We did the stupid things. And that's what the Word of God is there for. It's, it's to, you know, it tells you, you know, hey, God doesn't like this, this, and this. So it's probably the things we need to cut out. It's the things that we need to stop doing, stop lusting after, and know that God's got a better plan. And God's warning us, hey, don't do this, because this is what it's going to bring about. But if you, if you walk this way, you walk in this, this is what it's going to bring about. And it's always way better than what the world has to offer. But we get stuck. We get stuck in that lust of our flesh to doing our own thing. And that's what we've got to break. We can't have that. We've got to do it God's way. Otherwise, we're not going to make it. It's going to be really hard. He mentions adulterers and adulteresses. He's not talking about me going out and having an affair with another woman. What he's talking about is us, as the body of Christ, having an affair with the world. To participating in the things of the world. That, that we begin to have an affair with the world. And um, he doesn't want it. When we have an, an, a, if I had an illicit affair on Delonda, it would just destroy everything that I've done. If I had an illicit affair on God, it destroys everything I've done. And sometimes, it's really hard to come back from. You know, there is a line there is a line in the spirit. And when you cross it, sometimes it's really hard to come back. Not impossible, but it can be very challenging. And we may need help. When you have an illicit affair with worldliness, it results in estrangement and hostility towards God. Actually, making us an enemy of you can be an enemy of God and still come to church every Sunday because you've been programmed that way. You can come and sit and listen and have those blocks on your ears that you can't hear anything and just keep coming. But you just, you're not close. It says the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. He's very jealous for you. 
because he does not want us to fall into the world. Because he knows that when we follow the lust of our flesh, we fall into the world, that it makes us an enemy of God. He's warned us. He's telling us we can't do this. We can't do things our way. Now, if we could just take a step back and look at it. Jesus came into this world and died on the cross for all of our sins. Amen? And this is his attempt to reconcile us to God. He died for you. And he yearns for you jealously because he made a way for you to be connected to God. But yet we still want to dabble in the world. We still want to play on the fence. We want to be in that lukewarm state. And we still think it's okay. And that's going to be okay with Jesus because he knows your heart. Remember, he does know your heart. What do you say about your heart? It's deceitfully wicked. Delonda remembers. I say that a lot. But remember, with what we do, we can become that enemy of God. How many of you would let your enemies into heaven? Go on. I wouldn't let my enemies into heaven. I wouldn't let, if I was God, I wouldn't let enemies into heaven. That's what's going to happen in the end. They won't make it. See, God's bound by his word. You have to understand that. His grace is for you while you're alive. Once you, you die, that's it. You, don't, you can't praise somebody into heaven once they die. Not going to happen. It's all based on the decisions we make here and now in this life. Now, we have to decide to follow Jesus and to live his way, amen? We need to get off that fence. As I so, told you last week, I saw you know, the uh, cones put out and roller skating in between the cones, just going down. And, and the Lord said, that's what people are doing with my word. They're going in and out, in and out, in and out. They're just playing with the world, playing with God, playing with the world, playing with God, trying to do things their way, trying to do things my way. Remember back in chapter 3, it says, how can you praise God and curse people out of the same mouth? How can we do that, he says. James asked some tough questions. But as I said in the beginning, the cure is to admit where you're at. Humble yourself before God, admit your struggles, repent of it, and ask him to forgive you. You know, we're here because we don't want to be an enemy of God. We want to be a friend of God. I want to be like Abraham where God says, oh, Ron's my friend. That's what I want. Delana told me the other day, she's like, I'm a friend of God. <laughs> you know, and we're here, and one day we want to hear them trumpet sounds. We want to go when that trumpet sounds. We don't want to be left behind. Have you ever seen the Left Behind series? You know, you, just, uh, you don't want to be here when that happens. I got one last scripture for you, I think. Yeah. It's about the rich young ruler. Matthew chapter 19. Verse 16, it says, Someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? 
And Jesus said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? See, because there's only one who is good. See, they knew the only one who is good. And so by calling the teacher good, you're saying you're God. He was saying, you're God. That's what he's saying. He says, but if you want to enter lot, want to enter life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you should not commit murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, you should not love your neighbor, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept. What am I still lacking? And Jesus said to him, see, right here, right when he says that, he says, all these things I've kept. Now, this is where pride kicks in. Because Jesus had to come because no one could keep the law. So with this, this man is saying, I don't need you, Jesus, because I can keep all the law. Instead of saying, really being honest and saying, well, I haven't, you know, can you forgive me? Instead of doing that, oh, I, I do it, I'm good. And then Jesus said to him, if you want to be complete, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll, you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. See, his pride was so great in him that he couldn't admit that he had an issue in anything. He was a perfect keeper of the law, which we know isn't true. Because nobody keeps the law. That's why Jesus came. So even calling Jesus a good, good teacher, he didn't want to listen to what he had to say. And he missed it. And he missed it. He would have been better if he would have went and sold everything. Or if he would have just confessed to Jesus. Right then, hey, I... I I need to humble myself before you. So today what I feel to do is take communion. You went and got an extra for me. Robert, why don't you bring that over here just in case. But I want to do it a little differently than we've done it before. Because I really, as I was going through this, I really feel that God wants us to humble ourselves today. Whether you can get down on your knees or not, or you want to come to the altar or whatever, but I, I just feel that in my spirit, we need to take time for God to examine our heart. See, David prayed, God, examine my heart. See if there's anything wicked in me. You know, that we not be like that rich young ruler saying, yeah, I got this down, I'm, I'm good. But that we would truly take a moment today and humble ourselves before God and confess to him if there's something in us that we know we need God to take out. If there's been a lust in our flesh that's been holding us back, let's deal with it today. If there's been disappointment, anger, frustration, whatever it is, you deal with it today. And then when you're done, you know you're good. You know, I'm good, I'm going. You come get communion, and then you take it with the Lord, you and him. I'm not going to come back, and I may come back and pray at the end, but I want you to just take your communion between you and the Lord. 
when you know that you've spent time with him and you've um, repented of whatever you have to. Let's just walk out of here clean. Amen? Not carrying anything with us. You've got disappointment. Just give it to the Lord today. So we're just going to put on some music for a bit. If you're good and ready, you can run up here and get it. I don't care. I'm not here to judge anybody. I want you to judge yourself. I want you to humble yourself before God today. Just pray. Ask him to search your heart today. And then come and take communion as you're ready. Nobody leave doing that either. Don't just leave and not take communion today.
thank you for your presence with us. Father, we thank you for this time today in your presence. I pray that you be with each one of us as we go our way today. Let your hand be upon us. Let your favor go before us. Your word declares around the righteous, you surround them with the shield of favor. I pray that favor over every person today, God. Help us to make right decisions. That, Lord, when we leave here, we don't let them lust live today they die. And we just walk out the godly wisdom in humility, knowing that we need you, Jesus. We need you. We need you. Help us this week, Lord, to live righteously, holy, honoring you in all that we say and all that we do. We love you so much. Thank you for what you've done for us. So I pray that you bless the people of God as they go today. Let your hand be upon them and gird them up and give them strength. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hey, listen, don't just take off, go out there, have a piece of pie, grab a cookie or something, you know, so uh, uh, Roberta doesn't have to try and get somebody to take all that. Fellowship, tell somebody hi today, greet somebody, love somebody. Amen, and have a great week. God bless you.